Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, coming to you over EWTN Radio and from the studio at uh, Coming Home Network International in Central Ohio. Thank you for joining us. This program each week, we take uh, some time to invite a guest to join us to talk about some favorite scriptures. Sometimes it's scriptures that they never saw before. In other words, they awakened them, uh, surprised them to a deeper walk with Christ and his church. And our guest today uh, is a great pleasure to have uh, a staff member here of the Coming Home Network International, Mary Claire uh, Pazinski is a staff member here who works with laity uh, who are on the journey to the Catholic Church. She also helps coordinate our publications, CH Resources, so she helps with the newsletter and, and, and the books that we publish and the pamphlets and anything involved with our outreach. And just those of you, again, maybe not be familiar with the Coming Home Network International, our primary work is to reach out to those who are outside the Catholic faith, to help them discover the beauty of the Catholic Church. And Mary Claire has worked with the Coming Home Network, boy, three and a half years. Is that all right, Mary Claire? Time flies, doesn't it? And uh, graduated from Ave Maria University with a degree in theology. She's a longtime resident here in Zanesville, Ohio. She's been a member of a local uh, RCIA team, which uh, is the uh, program that helps uh, people become members of the Catholic Church, go through the process of discovering the faith, understanding the faith, become a part of the body of Christ. She also participates in Eucharistic adoration in her parish. She's a big sister through big brothers and big sisters and enjoys spending time with family and friends, doing activities with Catholic young adults, and uh, she says reads a good book once in a while and likes photography and taking part in the occasional board game. So she uh, is here with us today, and she's chosen as her scripture uh, a text which we've not discussed here on Deep in Scripture Radio. I will say those of you maybe don't realize this, she's usually on the other side uh, in this control room. She's usually on the computer inside the control room rather than here in the studio. But uh, I wanted her to, to join me on the program because she does bring uh, not only theological training to our discussion, but with her work in helping uh, young adults and uh, particularly women she works a lot with on their journeys of faith. Uh, I thought that would be a wonderful uh, background to our discussion today. But she's chosen uh, a section of chapter four from the first letter of John. Uh, she doesn't know this, but it's my favorite book from the Bible. Uh, I, I doesn't mean I'm an expert on it by any means, but it's it's one of my, I have to say it's probably my favorite because I think it's the deepest of all the New Testament books. There are layers in First John that to some extent I think have yet to be uh, mind because of who the author was, and uh, if if there's ever been anyone uh, in the union with our Lord Jesus Christ at the the level of the seventh castle that Teresa of Avila speaks of, it was the author of this book. And often I think when he writes, he's speaking from that intimate union with Jesus, uh, beckoning out to the rest of us to grow closer. And so sometimes it can be amazingly challenging talking about living without sin. You can actually talk in that way, but yet talking to people who struggle with even admitting that they have sin. So he's trying to get them to draw closer through confession, to draw closer to a deeper walk with Christ. But particularly in this section, he's dealing with the core virtue of, of love. And, uh, and what that means in our relationship in the body and to one another and to God. And uh, it's almost like a, a chicken and an egg thing, which came first, our love for God or God's love for us. Well, he deals with that in here. And as Mary and Claire intends to focus our attention on is what does this mean for our, ourselves as persons? Who are we? How do we understand who we are? Um, and what difference did it make that God came to this world, in fact, in helping us discover who we are in our relationships with one another. So let me begin 
by reading 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. We probably won't get to all of them today, but I'll read and then we'll take a break and then Mary Claire will join us. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. Whoever is without love does not love God, does not, excuse me, does not know God, for God is love. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God, yet if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is brought to perfection in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us, that he has given us of his spirit. Moreover, we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Whoever acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God and God in him. In this is love brought to perfection among us, that we have confidence on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, and so one who fears is not yet perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You're listening to Deep in Scripture, brought to you by the Coming Home Network International on EWTN Radio, your global Catholic radio network. Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journeys Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. And as I mentioned earlier, joined today by Mary Claire Pazinski. Hello, Marcus. Welcome to Deep in Scripture. Thank you. I'm, I'm not sure if you knew up until a week ago that you'd ever find yourself on... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe hoping I wouldn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> but for those of you listening, Mary Claire is, uh, besides what I mentioned, the work she does here at the Coming Home Network, she is very involved with both the broadcast of the Journey Home program as well as Deep in Scripture, though behind the scenes. Right. She uh, is very involved with what I would say sometimes cleaning up the emails that we receive for the Journey Home program and if, if we ever get them here for Deep in Scripture, which I'd love. Um, but um, I just thought it would be good 
to have you join us, right. uh, particularly of the work you do uh, helping uh, young adults. Right, right. And I, th I think a large part of the work of the Coming Home Network is basically just walking alongside people who are seeking a deeper relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And while a large part of that is with, you know, uh, Protestant, you know, pastors who are on the journey to the Catholic Church, um, it, it's not simply, um, you know, a one-size-fits-all person that contacts us <laughs> that we, we help. Right. Um, we, we have a ministry called Quo Vadis, which helps uh, particularly young people who feel called to a deeper walk with, with um, Jesus and are exploring whether or not he is calling them to the Catholic Church, um, you know, and which is just an exciting thing because, you know, there, there's this, you know, phrase, you know, oh, how, you know, how late have I loved you? Well, you know, <laughs> with young people who feel called um, you know, to encounter Christ in a deeper way, you know, that's, that's hope for us all. It shows us an inspiration, you know. Um, yep. John Paul II was so, um, so much a proponent of the young people taking their call to follow Christ seriously. And, you know, that's a large part of what we do with Quo Vadis is, you know, we, we help those who, you know, are, are young people. Sometimes they're teenagers, sometimes they're young adults, but, you know, it, there's there's a desire in each of our hearts um, for for a relationship with God, which I think we're probably going to get into um, with the with the scripture passage. But mm -hmm. it's you know it's a desire for something more, for something greater, and um, you know that ultimately um, you know I have found in in being a Catholic Christian, and you know that's a large part of what I do with the Coming Home Network is to help other people try to, to find that connection and that relationship as well. I've, it's been my longstanding conclusion that one of the reasons John Paul II uh, initiated the youth conferences, mm -hmm. the World Youth Days, right. was partially because he looked at my age group and said, man, we can't do much with a <laughs> bunch of old fogies. Uh, set in their ways, uh, they think they know what the faith is all about. Many of them think they have arrived. The future is in the young. Uh, if we want to make a big difference in bringing the church back online with its mission, let's uh, let's get the enthusiasm of the young on board. And of course, he's done that. Right, right. In the church, you know, she's you know ever ancient, ever new. You know, you you can't negate the uh, the fact that you know we have you know 2000 years of history but you know where we are now yeah you know the future is you know is is a continuing um, development we we are the church um, you know Christ gave us a beautiful gift in in knowing him in an intimate way through his love that he gives us in the church and you know that's something that i think it's a privilege for any person to to be a part of whether you know they're a hundred or <laughs> or five so yeah yeah well thanks mary claire this this passage that you've chosen from first john is a is a great passage there's um i can't remember if i said this in the introduction to the program or just in your my conversation during the break but uh first john is one of my favorites yeah and I, I think there's a depth in this letter that is often not appreciated, which is why I think many people avoid mm -hmm. certain portions of First John. And it's my opinion, those of you listening, I'd love for you to think about this if you've never considered it, that I, would, I think this letter is put in a different category than most New Testament epistles um, where they're just a letter to a group of people uh, like 1 Corinthians or uh, Philippians or Ephesians or Colossians, in which either St. Paul is trying to encourage or to, to straighten out issues and, and convey theology, that it's my view that what we have in 1 John are more the, the meditations of a of a spiritual father, a very deep, it's, our, it's the Apostle John, and towards the end of his life, 
and he is uh, you know deeply reflecting on what it means and how one has a, a a more intimate walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. So in my mind, I put this letter more in the category of a book like The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, or more the writings of Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, or even in a more modern way, the, the writings of uh, Jose Escriva, where often there are a lot of either bits, individual sayings, or collections of sayings that are, are intended to give you something to reflect on uh, as you're maybe before the Blessed Sacrament. You're reflecting on what is life in our Lord Jesus Christ to be like. And so most of the, any of the verses of First John can be pulled completely out of their context and stand alone. Absolutely. That's what's really interesting about any of those statements. And you can take any one of those statements and then meditate on it in all of its depths, asking the question, all right, Lord, what do you desire me to discern from whatever passage we're looking at? Which in some sense gives you some freedom, Mary Claire, because we can't cover all, <laughs> all of them, but which are a few of the gems right. you know, that you'd like to, us to look at right. out of this section? Um, <laughs> Wow. Well, I, I think I, I would like to take a little bit of a step back and, and just see what I think he's maybe getting at in a general sense. And, um, you, you know, maybe taking as our, as our springboard, you know, thinking about how he's addressing basic, the basic questions that you and I and everyone else in the, in the universe really, really struggle with on, on some level or, or should. Um, basically, the questions of who is God? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there a God? Um, who am I in relationship to God? Why do I exist? What am I called for? Um, and, you know, just all of these questions, you know, obviously, you know, pe- people have, you know, written books, commentaries, given lectures, and, you know, there's no way that we can even begin to scratch the surface. But one thing that that stands out is you know this is you know the apostle john you know has been the most you know the beloved you know apostle what what does he say about god he says god is love what and what does what does love involve what does what does that point us towards um because if we have a, a a misunderstanding of what love is exactly we're gonna end up with a misunderstanding of god and ourselves Exactly. And actually, when I was um, just before the program, a, a quote by Pope John Paul II came to mind. And it, it talks about um, how, uh, especially in today's world, we have an eclipse of the sense of God and of man. It's because we don't really know who God is. We don't really know who man is. Um, and, and John gets to the heart of this. God is love. Love involves a relationship. Um, you know, we hear, you know, in in the Bible talking about, you know, how, how God loves us. Well, what does that involve? And uh, going back even a step further, you know, who is God in himself? He is, he is a trinity of love. He is um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is, you know, the Father loving the Son, the Son returning that love to the Father. Um, in so much that it breathes forth the Holy Spirit. That is that is the the basically the most perfect um, witness that mm-hmm. anyone could ever imagine of what love is. So love isn't a turning in on ourselves. It's not a living for oneself in a in a in a selfish sense, in a in a desire to simply um, to use other people. It, it's a self giving. It's seeing good in the other person um and you know as perhaps we'll talk about a little bit later you know making a sincere gift of self um which is what the trinity is is all about it is an endless communion of love um that we are in some awesome um way called to share in um through our own lives why because um you know, we, we see in the first pages of Genesis where, you know, God created man, 
but what what did he what did he say he said you know it's not good for man to be alone he says you know he, he and then he creates a woman um, because man is not made to be a solitary being he is made to be in communion with another um, just because he is made in the image and likeness of God. You know, you, you read the first few chapters of Genesis and you see how man is called to be in communion with, with God and with one another. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just going back to this passage, we see that, you know, this God is love, but, but that, in, that love in, embraces us. It involves us. Um, I was thinking that if you, if you misunderstanding love, as you're describing, is wonderful. If we come from a world that defines love as some connection with our senses, mm-hmm. it's something we feel. Right, right. Love is not an emotion. It is a choice. It can involve the emotions. You know, a, a mother might not feel um, all sorts of warm, fuzzy feelings when she's, you know, getting up in the middle of the night to tend to a sick child, but she's choosing to do that. She's choosing an act of love. Um, and there, there's an issue of this connection of the heart with this kind of love. Again, it's not a feeling, though the feelings may come. Right. But there are many times in relationships, whether it's marriage or a friendship or, you know, when Jesus says, love your enemy, that you're not being motivated to do that. You're not being drawn to do that as a result of your senses. You're choosing to do that. It's an act of the will in response to the intellect. And by understanding that um, and looking at these passage, if you don't know love, you don't know God. If you misunderstand love, you misunderstand God. And ultimately, you misunderstand each other. Exactly, which I think is what John Paul was getting at when he says, we don't know who God is. You know, we have an eclipse as a sense of God and of man. Um, Why? You know, I think a a large part has to do with, you know, us being a, a very, have a very individual sense of who we are. Um, which in a sense is good. You know, obviously, you know, I am an individual person. I make individual choices. But, you know, there, there's a deeper dimension there that, um, you know, we are, we are called um, out of love for love, um, which, which involves uh, going out of ourselves. It's not, you know, turning in and, um, you know, using other people or, you know, living in a self, self-centered way, which is, you know, a large part of what society is. You know, Mother Mother Teresa would say, you know, it's a poverty for for a child to die so that you can live as you choose. You know, what what is that saying about the human person, especially in today's society? That that our choices are primarily guided by what is convenient for us, mm-hmm. and not necessarily out of out of love for what is right and what is good and what is true. And out of love for another, either. Yeah, and they and those misunderstandings of love definitely would not represent God or a relationship with God. Right. I recently saw an advertisement by the Atheists of America, the Atheist Society of America. I can't remember the exact name of the society, but their billboard said that the point of atheism is, is that we believe we can be good without God. Mm-hmm. Atheists believe we can be good without God. And, of course, it shows pictures of a bunch of people smiling. And we don't need the crutch of God. But what John is pointing out here in verse 7 as the foundation for what you're talking about, Mary Claire, is um, he who loves is born of God and knows God. That gets us back to something that Jesus said to Peter. Just before Jesus recognized Peter as the rock upon which the church is built, and after Peter had declared who he was, Jesus said, the reason you know that is not because you're bright and intelligent, because the Father gave you that information. The Father gave you that. The reason we love is because we've received that, not because we've, we've so 
informed our mind and strengthened our will that therefore we can give of ourselves apart from the graces we get from God we will continually fail and so John is reminding us we need God to do that which we were created to do absolutely absolutely and you know I maybe not don't want it as a you know the focal of of our discussion but you know i think a lot of people especially when they look at catholics they think as it's just a bunch of things that we do you know that we think are going to get us to heaven and you know going back it's a response of love it's the only adequate response that we can give is showing christ showing god through our actions through our words um that we love him in, in fact, in the most beautiful passage in Scripture on love, with which I'm, I'm guessing at least 50% of all marriages include, in that passage from 1 Corinthians 13, he basically says that the one thing that matters is love. Because he says that, that in the end, faith and hope will go, be gone. Right, right. Well, in because faith, you know, it's it's believing, you know, it, it it's trusting in God. When hope is is an expectation, when you're, you know, in union with God, you don't necessarily, you know, have to have faith that he exists. You're with him, <laughs> but you still have to have love because that is that is at the heart of what Christ is. Which is back to what you're focusing here. That is exactly what we will experience because God is love. There's that whole focus. We're going to take a break, Mary Claire. But uh, you know, all of this points to this necessity of truly understanding what love is if we want to know who God is and if we want to know who we are. The core of that um, and we'll get back to that because then you know he, he pushes us on to what does he mean by this? What difference does it make in our lives? We'll look at that when we get back in just a moment. You're listening to Deep in Scripture, being brought to you by the Coming Home Network International on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. Follow the compelling journey of one man who became a Church of Christ minister and found himself entering the Catholic Church. Bruce Sullivan shares his conversion story in his new book titled, Christ in His Fullness. In this book, he communicates a passionate love for Christ and the inexhaustible treasures of grace found in the Catholic Church. Perhaps you, too, will discover the same riches in the fullness of Christ. To order a copy of this book for yourself or a friend, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or call us at one 800 664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Mary Claire Pazinski. And it's great to have her here. We're looking at a wonderful passage of Scripture. I, I feel we can only glean just a little bit of it today, Mary Claire. Absolutely. You know that there's so much here. But what's I think it's a bit ironic about this beautiful section by the Apostle John, we believe it's the Apostle John, mm -hmm. right. is because um, here we are in the 21st century and part of the problem that we have in the soup in which we live, our culture, is that there are a lot of philosophies floating around in this culture that we have that many in our culture don't realize where the influences came from, but they feed our minds and our, our intellect and affect our will. And one of those is as a result of the Enlightenment uh, through the 18 and 1900s, uh, 17, 18, 1900s, this rise of, of the necessity to, we can only know things through our senses, uh, scientific materialism. And in a sense, love 
becomes an almost unknowable quantity because we really can't know this kind of love with our senses. So that's why our culture wants a love we can feel. So love right. becomes totally sensual. What makes me happy. Yeah. What it, it, fulfills me. What fulfills me, what I can see, what I can feel, what I can touch, what I can hear. That's, that's how we know love. Well, the ultimate love that we're talking about, the Greek word here is, is agape, is that this is this giving of oneself. So in a sense, John almost makes God more difficult to know for the world so caught up in senses. So how do we know a God that is uh, an, an unsensual love? Right, right. And, you know, that that is a question, but St. Um, as, you know, you said, we believe St. John says... Um, you know, it, it's basically through God. He, he knows us. He made us. He He knows how we encounter things, and so He He allows us to come to Him in a way that, in some way, is is you know sensual. It is through our senses, and you know, how did He show His love for us? How did He reveal who He is in Himself? He became man. He became incarnate. Um, you know, he, le- he, he lived, he breathed, um, he ate, he slept just like anyone else. And, and why? You know, what, was it just because, you know, it was a whim? No, it, it was to show us in, in, in the best way possible who God is and, um, you know, who we are in relationship um, to God. Um, it, you know, there, there's this great quote that says, um, it's actually from the Catechism. It says, by sending um, his only son in the spirit of love, in the fullness of time, God has revealed his innermost secret. God is himself is an internal exchange of love, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has destined us to share in this exchange. Um, and and then also there's, there's this quote, great quote from um, the Second Vatican Council that says, it is only in the mystery of the incarnate word that the mystery of man takes on light. It is only through seeing seeing Jesus's life, his, his death especially, and his resurrection that we see who we are in relationship to God. Um, and just in case those of you listening are wondering where she's getting this from, mm-hmm. she's not making it up. It's the next verse in First John. I want to make sure you read it for the reflection. In this, the love of right. God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. Right. So so God manifests himself through becoming man, through becoming incarnate. And in that, he shows us, you know, who we are, um, who he is, and, you know, what we're destined to be, which... You know the the whole scope of the Christian life is is basically you know it it's returning to love from from whence we came. It's it's union with with the, with God who is Trinity, which is love, which is you know a calling that is really beyond our wildest imaginings. And um, you know, if you think about. The you know the entire thirty plus years of of our Lord Jesus's experience in our world, from the moment he was conceived in the womb of Mary, as a result of her act of love, which right. was whatever y- you want done Absolutely. with me, that was her act of love, um, a total giving of her womb and herself and her then the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. But the, the beginning then of that conception, all the way through the giving of himself with his dying breath on the cross, that entire experience is love. It's, it, it's, it, is, it is an example of us, of this full giving of God. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his son. So he comes and becomes one of us. To reflect, and again, I think John is wanting us to meditate. That's why you could spend an hour on just verse 9. Just meditating on, okay, what are all the different ways 
that the creator God of the universe gave himself when he became one of us. He experienced our senses for the first time. Mm -hmm. Pain, suffering. He could have come as a king. He came as a baby. All, all those are expressions of what it means to love. And all of that's contained in these passages that John's trying to draw our attention um, to. Uh, into the world. He came into the midst of our selfishness and right. you right. know the junk that's in our world that we have to put up with. He didn't just stay up there in his lazy boy sipping pina coladas. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, he, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. He love is is naturally an an emotion that or not a choice, an overflow of, of what you have. Um, it, it wants to, to share its goodness with others, um, which, you know, goes back to even the fact of, you know, why did God create the world? Because, you know, he, he wanted us to be able to participate in, in who he is um, and, you know, ultimately to, to draw men um, to himself. But, uh, yeah, the, the cross in particular, um, you know, it, is probably the example you know, beyond all others that really shows us the absolute depth of God's love and how we are to share in that. You know, what what is a cross? It's not, you know, simply, you know, an act that happened 2,000 years ago that, you know, somehow, you know, are, you know, we we get to uh, you know cross through the pearly gates because you know God you know died on the cross. It's it's an act of love that shows us you know this is this is what you're worth. This is this is um, you know the God who made you giving Himself completely to you, um, giving His life for you. And uh, definitely something that we are then in turn uh, called to do because, you know, as the, uh, the passage in, God, in John continues, you know, um, God, God loved us, but we are called um, to love. We love because he first loved us. Um, actually, that's uh, skipping ahead a little bit, but... In know. fact, before we go mm -hmm. on, I want you to hold yeah. that thought because there's something I want to make sure we catch in this verse before we go on to another yeah. break because, again, as, as I envision the, the Apostle John reflecting on the meaning of the Incarnation... Right. Um, ...and what it means for us, what's interesting in verse 9... This one before we pass on this is that he does a bit of a, a, a an unexpected spin at the end in that it may make sense in the entire context for him to have said in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might love through him that's what it would have you thought Mm -hmm. But he doesn't say that. He says that we might live right. through him. And that what, when, that's what I'm thinking. He's, he's thinking that the significance of this gift of love is, more, is so much more encompassing than just love. Christ didn't come, as some liberals might say, right. that we might just love one another. Right, and that goes back to the fact of, you know, what love is. It is truly a life lived for others. Yeah. Christ came to conquer death. To conquer death. To give us life. And to give, give us, us life. Life to the full. Yes. Absolutely. And, and then that life we are given, been given, is not ours. I had an experience early in my journey years ago when I had a, a very bad accident. Uh, fell asleep at the wheel and hit a, drove into a semi head-on. Walked away without a scratch. I remember that experience. It was an answer to prayer. But I knew immediately after I woke up, after hitting this truck, that the life I had was not mine. It was a gift. Right. 
helped. Every no, I had it took a that experience to help me see that. But the point is, every one of us needs to see in this verse that the life we have, we have one responsibility, and that's love. Jesus said that, right? There's one commandment: love the Lord your God, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Neighbor as yourself. Everything is encompassed in that one thing. That's life. Absolutely. Yeah. And and life is a gift. You know, we, we hear that in the pro-life movement all the time, but but on the fundamental level, that is what what it is all about. It is a gift that we receive that we adequately have to respond to. And how do we respond to that? Through through living a life of love. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Again, imitating our Lord in his giving. And that means our giving for even the lowest quote in our society, which is, again, modeled for us for Mother Teresa, for example. Let's take another break, Mary Claire, and we'll come back. Now I'll let you go on to verse 10 <laughs> okay. that you were getting, jumping into. We'll jump into that when we come back. You're listening to Deep in Scripture, brought to you by the Coming Home Network International on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a non-profit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Mark Skrodai, joined today by Mary Clara Pazinski. We're looking at 1 John chapter 4, and we've just uh, discussed the significance of verse 9. Mary Claire, you want, would you like to move on to verse 10? Um, yeah, actually in verse 10 and even connecting that with uh, verse nine, 19 a little bit. Um, verse 10 says, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but he has loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. And then um, just connecting that with verse 19 a little, which says, uh, we love because he first loved us. And, um, you know, as we've, you know, been hitting on here and there, you know, our Christian life is a response. Um, but there's also um, uh, a way in which it says that, uh, you know, not that we have loved God, but he has loved us and sent his son to be an expiation for our sins. And and the question is, you know, how do we concretely share in that in that love, in that expiation today? Hmm. And um, you know, I I would um, say a wonderful uh, just pretty much the most amazing way that we can share in that in, in the here and now is through the church, which gives us um, the sacraments, which bring us into the, the very divine life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I don't believe that, you know, Jesus, you know, came, lived, and, and died for us, and then, you know, just basically said, okay, you know, just, just you know, <laughs> lo- love one another, be nice, and, you know, it'll all be good. He, he gave us a church that um, he promised the Holy Spirit would guide into all truth. And he also gave us sacraments, which are, you know, um, I don't know, gateways that, that we can, or, or channels of grace um, that uh, we can encounter Christ. And uh, in particular, um, the Eucharist is, mm-hmm. is an important way that we can, uh, you know, every, every time we go to Mass, every time we go to Adoration, it's an encounter with the divine when when we go and uh, you know receive our Lord in the Eucharist. Um, you know that is a, a profound encounter with 
with Jesus Christ, you know, the, the Jesus Christ that, you know, died for our sins, you know. Um, we read in the Gospels, you know, the account of the Last Supper um, where Jesus, you know, took bread, blessed it, and said, you know, this is my body, um, which is given for you. And in those words, you see the connection between the Eucharist and the cross. You know, where the cross, you know, that where Jesus gives us, you know, new life, um, the expiation of our sins, you know, as, as John says, um, we share in that by, by participating in the Eucharist. Um, you know, if, if, Jesus, if all Jesus meant was a symbol, you know, well, this, you know, stands for my body. No, he says, you know, this is my body which is given for you. If, if the uh, Eucharist is a symbol, then, you know, wouldn't the body that, that died for us on the cross also be symbolic? <laughs> You know, um, you know it, it's interesting that uh, many scholars disagree about some issues in the early church, and some divide what was called the celebration of the Eucharist from what they called agape mm-hmm. feasts. And there are others that say, no, really, they're talking about the same thing in the context of the early worship, the early celebration, which means now we have the Eucharist called agape, love. There's the unity, exactly what you're talking about. Early church, they clearly recognize that the the reception of the Eucharist as a gift of God's love that comes within us. And if, if you want to understand our hearts, as the home of our Lord, but in mine, I don't know about yours, Mary Claire, but my, the home of my Lord in my heart isn't a very clean one. You know, my home is in my heart is full of a lot of junk. It needs to be cleaned up. It needs to be purified. It needs Christ comes into it both through prayer but particularly through the Eucharist, and we have this house cleaning that goes on through his presence with, within us so that we can love. And so we see the gift of that, and um, I wish we had more time to even look at how the early church fathers right. so connected this with Absolutely. love. And, and I see that you know through the reception of the Eucharist, then we see how, um, you know, as John says, uh, you know, he who loves God loves his neighbor. Mm-hmm. This this reception of, of Jesus in the Eucharist isn't isn't just about you know Jesus and me, so to speak. It is it is to be a concrete um, starting point for that love to then shine forth in our our encounters with others, um, which then ultimately is is to bring us back. Um, to to where we started to to life um you know in union with the trinity um and uh let let me just uh you know it it says in verse 20 you know if anyone says i love god and hates his brother he is a liar for he does not love his brother um whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen um, you know, if, if the love of God, which we receive in the Eucharist, is not living and active, you know, well, what's the point? You know, we, we can say, you know, we have love, but if we do not have works, if we do not have, you know, the, the love that responds, um, you know, outwardly, you know, why, yeah. why bother? Why He's, bother? And, and John is very much an apostle of the heart. The, the the inner person the, the the soul and we can't feel what's going on inside how do i have proof in my life that god has made a difference in my soul it's how we love that's the point exactly here if you do not love then you're you're drawn back to where the psalmist was always yelling at himself to his soul, you know, awakened soul, praise God, wake up in there, uh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy. He's telling himself to wake up. 
and and surrender to God. Right, uh, and and that is a continual struggle we have because we live in a fallen world. Right. We live. Um, you know, with concupiscence, we live with a tendency to sin, to seek ourselves, to seek our own self-interests. But is that what we're really called towards? No, that's not, um, you know, we are made in the image and likeness of God. We're, we're created for someone else, the ultimate um, communion of persons, which is the Trinity, um, which, which is, you know, our ultimate end, our, our ultimate goal. Um, and but yeah, we we do that through through living our lives, um, you know, in in His abundant uh, grace through the sacraments. This is one of those verses, Mary Claire, where I wish we had more time. Uh, there's a whole section in here about abiding in, in God and His love, which right. really is a, a a drawback to what John refers to so often in his gospel. Uh, we'll have to do that another time. Is also the issue of fear. Uh, Right. Which it connected with the love, but we've got a, about a minute or so. Any, how about a practical thought for anyone listening? Well, how can you move closer into the stuff that John's talking about? Right. Um, sometimes it's just looking at your daily life and saying, "What is one way that I can show God today that I love Him?" Um, you know, it might be simply, you know holding the door for people um, at work and letting them, you know, go ahead of you, you know, into the cafe line at the cafeteria. Um, it, you know, it might be giving, you know, if you're in a family, you know, giving your little brother that last piece of cake, but you do it out of the love of God. You know, um, St. Therese of Lisieux had a beautiful theology of, of little things. Um, you know, not necessarily that, you know, we have to go and shed our, shed our lifeblood for the faith. Um, but that through our everyday actions, we, we live in, um, in the call that we have received, um, just, just in, in loving. <laughs> yeah, again, the, the three virtues that Christ calls us to develop of prayer, fasting, and alms, the practices, not so much the virtues, that, you know, prayer, almsgiving, fasting are all in a way sacrificing ourselves for God and, and one another. That's how we express our love in prayer, taking a time with God in almsgiving, giving up of ourselves for the needs of, our, of those around us. And then fasting is really sacrifice, is challenging ourselves, deal with the, the dark side of us. Exactly. And realizing that we, we are fallen, but we, we have grace. All right. Thank you, Mary Claire, for joining us today. We'll get you back. We'll finish this verse another time. Thank you for joining us on Deep in Scripture. God bless you. See you next week. <laughs>